are back with another episode of JR Takes. As always, Ryan and I coming at you live, giving you the latest Seattle news and giving our hot and sometimes cold takes on the matter. And Ryan, we've got some good news as far as the Seattle sports world, baseball and football, but we'll get to the Seahawks first as far as the last Thursday preseason win. 24-13 was the final, and... Uh, Good news, too. No serious injuries during that game. Yeah, I think the worst thing that happened was Kay Johnson. Well, he actually got taken to the hospital. Yeah, I saw that. And I saw he was released. Yeah, I think he... I mean, he's just concussed, which Mm -hmm. just concussions can be serious injuries. But anytime anyone gets taken to the hospital, it's... It has a really scary look to it. So the fact that it's just something that he could bounce back from, uh, I would say overall good news. Yeah, and uh, more good news... From me specifically, Jake Bobo, uh, <laughs> coming up big on Thursday night, and I was honestly, I just like the name. To, yeah. If I'm being real here, just Bobo kind of rolls off the tongue. You, you want to root for a guy named Bobo. You want you want to brag to the opposing team that uh, their player Bobo is the reason you lost. So, by yeah. all means, he's got. Oh, he's got a, a throwback Bobo jersey later on in the season. I, I was just going to ask, is, is there a Bobo jersey in the near future? There could be. There yeah. could be. We'll see. He's got to make the team first. But, hey. I mean, oh, he has you could always make sure. a custom jersey and just have it say Bobo. Number, <laughs> what number is he? 19? I think I would be a weirdo if I did that and he didn't make the yeah, team. He, yeah, he is, he, is number, he is number 19. You'd have to pay like $200 to do that, too. But I say worth every penny. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not only did Bobo have a big game, but Drew Locke, he played pretty good, minus that interception which wasn't the greatest yeah i mean it got tipped but it still was like if he threw that full speed without getting tipped it still probably gets intercepted i i don't it was just a bad read yeah because it it really looked like the receiver over the middle he just didn't see what was it the linebacker a safety who caught the who caught the interception i can't remember yeah they it looked like they were playing in zone and the whoever was in that area just kind of read his eyes and faded back towards the receiver it happens, and that's the thing with Drew Locke. Like he, I actually thought he looked way better than last preseason, especially the last time we saw him. Um, and everything we've seen in camp this offseason, in training camp, has showed that he's a lot more in control and in command of this offense and more comfortable. But with Drew Locke, you get a just head-scratching play here and there. Yeah, well, it's funny you say head-scratching play that – honestly turned out good for us was that uh play by the third string quarterback oh when we got the touchdown yeah when he let go of that that i was like literally it was like the meme of fuck it he's down there somewhere it reminded me of the peyton manning interception in the super bowl when he's like ah and gets hit and there's a pick six that's what it kind of looked like the ball was in the air for like an hour well sometimes um you know the reason why receivers are receivers and DBs are DBs a lot of times is they have way better ball skills. Not always, but almost always. Mm-hmm. So, oddly enough, sometimes in those situations, well, Landers is, you know, they, they both have a bunch of time to react to the ball, and Landers just high points it. The defender is kind of like reeling back, waiting for it to come to him. Because um, they're they just got so much more on their minds than the receivers. I feel like as they're on their heels trying to read their For movements. Sure. But it it is 
a play that would not have happened against starters. No, sure. no, that 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 is a play that you see in preseason. Even the even the commentator was like, "What are we doing here?" When, <laughs> when they scored a touchdown. So yeah, the last time I feel like I saw a fuck it ball like that work that well was the two point conversion against the Packers. And that's NFC. also the ball was in the air for as Aikman said, which seemed like eight seconds. Yeah, but. I have no idea how Clint Dix doesn't make a play on this ball. And we still don't to this day. Yeah. And but we think we him never for will. It. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never forget either. Uh, but moving on to uh, next week's here, I guess Saturday's game against the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think we'll see any starters in this game? I don't really I know do. how to how to predict preseason games anymore because it used to be the third game was when we would see a glimpse of the, the starting offense. And now right. it kind of seems like that's transitioned to the second game. The third game has now become like the, the just the, the, the practice squad game. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's kind of my read on it as well. I'm anticipating – I do think we see more starters in this game. I don't think guys like Bobby Wagner are going to play at all this whole preseason, though, because like, it's the guy's 11th preseason. He does not need to do this again. Yeah. Um, it might even be his 12th, actually, technically. 2012, but, 2023, no. Oh, it's 11 years ago. but Yeah, I um, guess you're right. Yeah. Anyways, um, I do think we're going to see some Geno. Maybe a drive. I would like to see some Geno. You know, it'd, it'd be a nice little refresher to, I to get Geno out there. I want to see some Geno to JSN action. Geno and Jigba. I think that's going to be a lethal combination this year. And I, I really liked to go back to preseason game one against the Vikings. I really liked what we saw out of JSN. He didn't get a ton of playing time, but almost every route he ran, he was like wide open. Mm-hmm. So, And that's all we've seen in training camp and going all the way back to mini camp. And I actually saw a report about uh, his first drop. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Which, like, That's awesome. I mean, I, I saw people make multiple drops in a practice while I was there uh, like a month ago or whatever. So it's it's pretty incredible just how ready for the moment JSN has seemed. Granted, we're not even to a real game yet, but this stuff usually translates. It really does seem like JSN has that sort of – that extra, like, little piece in his DNA that, you know – allows him to make it all look so easy yeah um, so um but yeah i i don't really care about the outcome I, I mean i don't really care about the outcome of any preseason game we yeah. could lose all of them but for all i care but um it would be nice to see the offense out there and uh you know just for a series maybe a, like quarter at the most i don't need to see like a whole half and into the second half mm-hmm. uh to risk any uh, further injuries to the guys that we have out there. But um, I would hope we see some more uh, Charbonnet in this game. I feel like we got a little bit of a glimpse of him in the last game, but I'd, I'd like to get him going a little more because um, you, you need reps even at the running back position just to learn the offense and make sure you're going the right way on each play. Um, and that's something that I think we lacked with K-9 last year a little bit because he was hurt up through the first game. Um, but, yeah, I think um, just as far as moving into predictions for the game. Um, sure, why not? Yeah, let's, okay. let's give our predictions. Yeah, as far as what I see happening in this game, um, I think we're, again, going to see a whole lot of Drew Locke. Um, I, I really think they want to get him as many reps as possible mm-hmm. because even if – he never ends up being a starter for us. You know, he's a play away from being out there. Gino gets hurt. So uh, he didn't get a lot of snaps in the preseason last year from 
circumstances like COVID and, you know, a legit battle with Gino that Gino needed those reps as well. Um, but this time around, Gino's ready to go. Um, so, and I, I, I like Holton. He was fun to watch. He was kind of like, um, almost like Tebow-esque. It was kind of fun seeing a lefty quarterback out there. It always, like, even though I'm left-handed, when I look at a lefty quarterback, I'm like, ugh. It always just looks weird. I, just, I, I think it's why. because they're faced away from you, so it, everything looks backwards. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I've seen those videos of like uh, Tua, but edited, so he's throwing. It looks like he's throwing with his right hand. You're yeah. Like, oh, he has a nice throwing motion. But when you watch it, normally, <laughs> you're like, you're like uh, what? Yeah. Why does this look weird? Yeah, and it really does look like he's like not using his like his mechanics are wrong or something. But yeah. like you know they're not because it's he's just a pro fucking quarterback yeah but. i think you get so used to seeing that camera angle mm-hmm. but uh anywho uh yeah i think i think we're gonna sweep the preseason this year is my prediction i think really this that's team, a hot take yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna catch up to the ravens and their 15 game preseason winning streak or whatever it is are you kidding me that's what well the ravens have not lost a preseason game since like I don't know, like 2017 or something that's, like that. That's and a strange fact. It is that's very it. stupid it's stu- that it exists, yeah. but it is also like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Another, I don't know what the numbers, Colby, maybe you could pull this up. The Cowboys have lost like a crazy amount of preseason games. Like, really? With it since the 20th. Uh, this source is coming from a Cowboy fan, so. Ah. Not, not. It's not like Daniel Jeremiah pulled this stat up or anything like well, that. Well, Jonah, they gotta be ready for the playoffs, so <laughs> <laughs> they gotta get their practice in. Yeah, they gotta be ready because they're Super Bowl bound this year. <laughs> Which we'll get into this in a little bit, but the Cowboys, the fifth best receiving core in the NFL. No, they have C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Sorry. I... We'll, we'll 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 get into that later. But. I, I was just processing that information. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so you think we're gonna win? Obviously. Yeah, I think we're gonna with I the think, sweep. I think we're gonna put up more points in this game too. I think I'm. Uh, I'm saying thirty to seventeen. I like it. I was gonna. I was gonna say like thirty-one was gonna be my. I'm gonna say thirty-one twenty-one. Okay. We win by another two scores, and or watch, now we're going to win by a field goal because I said that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think we'll beat the Cowboys. They, I mean, they're the Cowboys. We, we I don't think the Cowboys are going to play many starters either, is my prediction. The, the Cowboys beat us in the preseason last year, and they actually won two of their three preseason games last year. Hmm. Interesting. So, I don't know. Well, that Cowboys fan you heard that from lied. Well, I, I think I think he was talking big picture, not oh, okay. last year. I was just looking. Yeah, let's see, 2021. They watch. They're gonna sweep. The preseason. They actually lost every single game in 2021. Okay, there we go. There's some merit to to this Cowboys take. Uh, yeah, 2020. Wait, all the preseasons? Were I don't think there was preseason. No, there, oh. dude, that's yeah. There was not every game in, uh, in 2020 was canceled. Yeah, preseason. That's crazy. They didn't win any of so. And after I think it's after that that they changed it to three preseason games. I think you're right. Yeah, because they had to do the the new CBA because of COVID and it yeah. messed everything up. Man, it's so weird. Like that's, yeah, I forget how much COVID just like disrupted. I know. Every- it's weird how like. <laughs> 
It's kind of been a long time from now, but it still seems like not that long ago. I don't know. That that was a that was a real mind fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, and that reminds me, Ryan. I wanted to ask you. I probably could have just looked this up before the episode started. But when do they start making cuts now that there's one less it's, preseason? It's game? after the third preseason game. So everyone sure. is held on to the, that's not how they used to do it, right? No, there used to be a cut to seventy-five, and then a cut from seventy-five to fifty-three, mm-hmm. uh, starting with the ninety-man roster. And now I'm, unless I'm wrong, and I very well could be. Maybe you could fact check me, Colby, but uh, I think you go straight from ninety to fifty-three after that last preseason game. It's so, kind of brutal. Yeah, I mean, thirty-seven people getting cut from every team. So that's like oh, yeah, nine hundred players. They're trimmed to uh, fifty-three by August 29th. Wow. Yeah. So they have to cut or they have to fire that many people in one. How, how many people are like on the roster right now? Ninety. Holy smokes! Yeah. That's almost half. Like that's yeah, hot, dude. Like, gosh, you they really got to fight for their their jobs. So and basically, like every receiver we're gonna watch the rest of the preseason is getting cut. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's crazy too because there's so many like I feel like there's so many times even I can relate to in sports where like you have like a, a good connection with the coach or like they really like a play you made or something in practice and you're like okay I made the team and then you just don't because they're like even if there was so many you know bright spots to your game there's just like so many spots to fill and so many players and mouths to feed that you just can't beat all of them yeah and then adding into that like the whole contract angle that's Mm -hmm. another huge factor when they're weighing out these decisions so yeah i think john schneider has said multiple times that cut day and Pete carroll too that cut day is like their least favorite day of the year because like have to have so many conversations yeah you basically got to fire like 40 people in a day every year That's, it is all in one day they don't spread it out through like a couple of days uh, no they'll um they have like a week to get to that number mm-hmm. from 90 so so usually it's like the obvious guys that never really had a chance and were just camp bodies throughout the summer like they're the first to go and then as you get closer the the tougher decisions and cuts get made oh, yeah. i'm um, sure they got like you know 20 people that they're like Okay, these guys can go immediately. Yeah. And then as you get to like, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I think, um, I guess real quick while we're talking about it, what do you think the toughest positions to make uh, these cuts on the Seahawks are going to be this year? Because for me, I think it's wide receiver for sure. I was going to say, there's going to be a lot of talented wide receivers that we're going to have to let go because mm-hmm. there's just not enough space like on the Landers, roster. Like Landers, for example. I, I really... I think he's a long shot to make. He has he has size he has the size factor. In he his has favor. the size and he ran a four three seven. He's a fast big receiver. Um, and he, he had a hands problem in college, from what I've heard. But he's caught everything I've seen, and he's continuing to put up highlight plays in camp and whatnot. So, to me, he's kind of a guy you look at and you're like, oh, he has a high ceiling. I do like. I do like SEC receivers too. I believe he went to Arkansas. I think right? he did. And yeah. then I think he went to Georgia before that, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I that would be a tough player to see go. Um, but who do you got between him and Bobo? Because for me, it's Bobo. Yeah, I can't. I can't turn my to back. Me, Bobo, I can't turn my back on Bobo. Let's just like be clear. Quick prediction: I think Bobo makes the team. I, yeah. I think he's done enough. Wide receiver one. He. I think All with, pro. <laughs> I think with a name like Bobo, you just automatically make the 
If he, if, if he doesn't, we are going to pull a January 6th on Pete Carroll. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not. Like that, it was a joke. Anyways. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Bobo is going to be at least wide receiver five because, A, D. Eskridge isn't going to take up a roster spot for the first weeks of the season, so you have to fill in his spot. And so unless you only want to carry four wide receivers into week one, which doesn't sound smart to me, um, you got to think Dariq Young is a lock. Uh, so it's basically, to me, the top three guys fighting for that last spot are Bobo, Landers, and then Cody Thompson. Mm-hmm. I what do you think is going on with Aesop Winston Jr.? So he's looked good. He went to WSU, didn't he? Um, yes, Washington State, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he caught the first touchdown yeah. uh, from Drew Locke on last Thursday. But, uh, yeah, I, I like him, too. I just think... Um, when did we get him? Because he's 26. Is he? Yeah, he's 26. I did not know that. I thought he was the UDFA this year. Uh, yeah, he's probably just been bouncing around the league. I, I guess so, yeah. Because hmm. that name is a little familiar, and then I probably saw him. That's why it's familiar to me. Yeah. It's like Aesop Winston. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where he fits into the mix. To me, he's a practice squad guy. I yeah. think him and Landers both make it to our practice squad, um, and hopefully they don't get the Bo Melton treatment where they get poached, but mm-hmm. we'll see. But that's my prediction. What do you got? <sighs> yeah, you know, receiver, I would say um, – that would be tough to see. I guess that's the the position group that I've gotten the most familiar with as far as the rookies and the new faces. Um, corner, I mean... Uh, that was going to be my second one. Corner and receiver, I feel like, are our two as far as um, positions that are loaded with talent. Uh, those two. So I feel like any any corner we cut is probably going to get the Bo, Mel treat, Bo Melton treatment. Um, yeah, just think of yeah. I guess those like, two positions would be my 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 two main. Even someone like Artie Burns, you know, he could start for multiple teams in the league for sure. Yeah, he, yeah. He might be cornerback five right now. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that all shakes out, especially when you consider Julian Love is, you know, basically backup safety and potentially starting nickel. I I don't know. I mean, that's a starting caliber player that we paid a decent amount of money for in the offseason for a role. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's – I guess if you just expand that to the defensive back, there's some guys that should be playing for someone that might be uh, free agents. Yeah, um, I guess maybe number three uh, behind those two positions would be potentially running back because obviously True. you have Charbonnet and Ken Walker making the team, and – I mean, does DJ Dallas automatically make the team? I think so. He's got experience. I was going to say that that's what he has working in his favor is he familiarity with the team. Um, I worry, like, Kenny McIntosh is injured. I, I hope he gets healthy and shows what he can do in the preseason because I'm rooting for that guy. And so yeah. that that's kind of why I bring up the running back position because there are, uh, you know, a lot of mouths to feed at that. Uh, position as well because that's the way Pete Carroll likes to run things but we usually carry as many if not more running backs on our 53-man roster than receivers Mm -hmm. though because we really value that like we I think we've carried at least four the last however many years and at times five if you count Nick Valore Um, 
So I, I actually think McIntosh is a lock to make the roster because I think we're carrying four running backs, um, especially with the versatility that uh, Kenny brings in the passing game. I think that's some like he he's a candidate to get real playing time as our third down back, kind of filling the Travis Homer role. Mm-hmm. So uh, I agree with you though that those guys are all talented and have shown things or were a high draft pick. Uh, but the guys behind them that were playing in a lot of the game last Thursday, I honestly can't remember the guy's name, but he was bowling people over and looking really good in that fourth quarter. Our reserve running back. Is- yeah, I, I just was looking at his stats and I was like, who is this? But yeah, I'm I'm annoyed. I can't remember the name. Have, have you guys seen DJ Dallas's like uh, picture? Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, because I'm on the I'm on like ESPN looking at all the positions and wow, it's uh, I was just showing the. The, actually, like, the viewers. Uh, yeah, he looks, <laughs> he looks insane. Like, he totally did that. Well, yeah. have you seen like, the photo of Brandon Tanev on the on the Kraken? Um, no. That's oh, why no. he did that. That's why he did it. He, okay. You should pull that photo up too. Okay. Uh, Tanev. Yeah, Tanev on the on the Kraken. Uh, Tanev on the Kraken. I'll pull that up. You guys keep. Uh, I'll... <clears throat> Yeah, but uh, that's that's essentially all I had for the uh, upcoming preseason game. Uh, I did want to bring up the the around the league, uh, or I guess we can go to your segment and then we'll talk about the. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So I, this is something we could have a whole podcast on, honestly. But I was just thinking, you know, every season, obviously, you go into it wanting to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I was just I was thinking about that, and I was looking at this current Seattle Seahawks roster and. Um, I'm seeing some people uh, name them as a dark horse candidate for mm-hmm. the Super Bowl this year, and I kind of agree, actually. And I think a good team to compare them to that has done that in the last 15 years or so, there's others that kind of fit, but I'm, I'm not going to go there with them. Uh, the 2009 Saints came up to me as a team. That uh, I, I thought think... you were going to say the Ravens. No, because I think I think our offense is going to be a lot better than that Ravens offense was. Um, the The reason why I think the Saints are kind of a good comparison for what we could do is a they have a quarterback that's on his second team. Well, I guess Geno's been on four teams, but you know what I mean. Second uh, team second that's start. giving him a starting chance. Yeah, in yeah. their thirties and just had a renaissance because th- that did happen to Drew Brees. People forget that, but he sort of. He didn't flame out in San Diego, but he got replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Saints were his second chance in the NFL. Anyways, uh, entering the prime of his career or in the prime of his career, throw into a bunch of really good pass catchers with a dynamic passing offense and a defense that is probably going to give up a lot of yards, might give up a decent amount of points this year, but isn't terrible. I think the defense for the Seattle Seahawks this year has a ceiling of being the 14th best but i think really you don't think they'll be higher than that no i don't i just okay i i don't think that our run defense has improved enough uh to 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 get to that level it's fair Um, but i here's the thing i do think about our defense i think they're gonna be top 10 if not top five in takeaways and i think they're gonna be a lot better at getting to quarterbacks this year in the pass rush specifically um with the draymond jones edition so uh, the reason why I think that comparison makes sense is the Saints had great quarterback in the uh, middle of his career, throwing to a bunch of really good pass catchers. 
excellent offense. I believe the number one offense in the league that year. Um, but on defense, they gave up a lot of yards. They gave up a decent amount of points. But they got to the quarterback. Also, just for the record, I'm not saying we should do bounty gate. Okay, so just throw, <laughs> throw that out I didn't even realize that that was that season. Yeah. We okay. don't have Greg Williams on the staff, so just, just don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, but they first they forced turnovers and they applied pressure. And I think turnovers sometimes on defense can be even more important than the consistency of allowing short yardage. Yeah, that's funny. I actually that you, now that you bring up this 2009 Saints, I can't really. Even, I remember that season like it was yesterday because them and the Colts were both like 13 and 0 going into the week 14 yeah. or something like that and uh but i like i don't really remember i can't pinpoint what the saints were really good at like Offense. i just i yeah well i that but because i remember they played the vikings which was one of the great and great and, and think about games. how they won that game and the super bowl from a critical turnover so yeah that that's that's true yeah i guess i yeah they they i could see us sort of emulating a team like that mm-hmm that, and I mean, we'll we'll see once the games start how how close my predictions turn out here. But I think, um, you know, because if you think back to like the 2013 Seahawks, for example, they were fucking amazing at basically everything. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, they didn't have gaudy passing numbers, but in efficiency, they were fantastic. We just didn't throw the ball that much because you had a Hall of Fame running back and Marshawn Lynch and the last good line that we fielded, in my opinion. So. I don't think we're that team, but as I was saying, a team like the Saints, I think I think we could copy that formula. And granted, 2009 was kind of a long time ago now, but I still think it's modern enough to where it applies. Mm-hmm. It's not like the 64 Browns that we're talking about. So. No, 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 no. Like, the late 2000s were, like, I mean, I think the only big difference in today's game and back then is the big hits. Well, I mean, not the only thing, but, like, one of the big... The absence, yeah. The, yeah, the... You're not going to see, you know, shoulder pad to a defenseless receiver going over the middle and just, like, putting him lights out on the ground. Like, you're just not going to get that anymore. And I think, like, the style Adrian Peterson ran sort of, he was a violent runner and, you know, had the big shoulder pads and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, He's also a generational talent. Adrian Peterson was, like... Overall, probably the best running back I've ever watched. Yeah, yeah, he probably in our in our lifetime, probably the best that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so do you think you can? Do you think like a, a 1980s, 1990s NFL team? Do you think you can even compare it to like any the the modern game? To like any team like that right now, right now. I I, I just you think even compare it. I think honestly, the the turning point is like. Because you even go back to the 2005 Seahawks, like that, those times in the game looks totally different. Like you, the fullback position basically doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um. It. I, it's just a total. I feel like things really started to change in the late 2000s. Like I, because that's when people started throwing for 5,000 yards, like you know, 4,800 yards. Well, that's all when the time. I think the, you know, the advancement of technology, cameras, and all this stuff has made a lot of people realize like honestly how violent the game is yeah. and because we're seeing it crystal clear yeah and when you can literally see their face moving on their skull after they get hit yeah i think the hd the the west welker <laughs> hit HD. the west welker hit against the steelers um 
is like probably the most violent hit I've ever seen. And yeah, it's hard to say. But yeah, that and that was in the late two thousands when the Steelers had a really good defense and they were always playing the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. They like they were still making big hits like that. Remember, uh, uh, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I feel like I haven't seen a really good hit since Cam Jam- played. Jamal Lewis. Do you remember when he like got hit in the neck and then just went like limp? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't see hits like that anymore. And honestly, like I, a lot of people don't like that, like a lot of old heads. And but I think it is better for the game and better for the game's longevity. Well, and also, Are you talking about the, the Ryan, Ryan Clark. Clark? Uh, yes, Wes Wilker. Yeah, that was, was insane. Gonna, you can pull gonna, that one up. That one, it, it's pretty brutal. So let's it's pretty here. brutal. Let's, uh, let's go to this. And yeah, you're I not going to be seeing hits like this anymore. Well, I believe it's like this. 37 over the middle. Polamalu oh. got a hand on it. And Ryan Clark laid out Wes Welker <laughs> when the football was blocked in between. Now, Clark's going yeah, to say, wait a minute. Whitey. I thought the ball was coming. What a shot. They'll show it. Let's see how well we can hear this. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, they, so Jonah and um, Ryan can't see it. But, but we heard it. <laughs> yeah, so. I also remember it so I can kind of see it in my mind. Yeah. But even back when I played football, too, it's like, because I played safety, and I mean, some of the biggest hits you see are when safeties uh, just lay out a receiver that's going over the middle, looking back towards the ball, and don't see the safety come. Like, maybe they hear the footsteps. That's where that term yeah. comes from. Uh, but I remember back when I played, that was some of the hardest I ever hit anybody was plays like that because it's, it's not hard to do. You just kind of sprint and time it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's, it's fine that it's sort of getting taken out of the, the game because it's just unnecessary. Like you, you, can, you can make that play without killing the guy, you know? I agree. And uh, my short-term experience with playing football like getting hit like that on the field like i was like dude i kind of i don't know if this is for me (laughs) like because getting hit like getting your bell rung is like one of the worst experiences it's it's not pleasant (laughs) the thing is because i'm watching this again and brian clark does lean with his shoulder but it's the whole defenseless yeah, that, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. So the fact that Wes Welker's like, "Oh, the play's over," and then he just but, could get his neck broken. But there's is also like, like I think like because you know the real time and like um, Ryan Clark, he's also not looking because he's leading with the shirt. He's like, "Oh, this guy, I'm gonna just drill him because that's what I was. That's what yeah. I was like literally trained to do." And that was also in 2008. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a clean hit. There's like right. no arguing that. It's just like making that hit today. It's asking it's asking the, the athletes to be more conscientious when they're making a tackle. Because what they're supposed to be mindless out there, just fucking instinct go. <laughs> right. It's also these these things, especially at the end. Of, like I'm talking about fucking high school football that wasn't a good high school, you know, South. <laughs> like the collisions I had are like baby shit compared to what's going on out on an NFL field. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys are the best athletes on the fucking planet. The best, best athletes that have ever lived basically hitting each other as hard as they humanly can at like 18 to 20 miles an hour. Like that it, it's, it's not even comparable, but I like, I do think 
you can still make big hits in like uh, as Colby said, a conscientious way. It just mm-hmm. it is making defense harder. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's there's no disputing that. But like I said, I mean, I care more about the game sticking around and True. less about. Man, that was really awesome when so-and-so got laid out, and that was a big yeah. hit. It was, I mean, that was, that was f- fun while it lasted. Don't get me wrong. That was, like, partially why I got into football was, like, because of seeing that. And I mean, like, that's awesome. Who could forget Cam hitting Yeah, Jordan that Davis. was one of my favorite moments there's of the Seahawks. There's literally, game. like, if you watch that play in slow motion, there's literally, like, a Vernon Davis-shaped, like, vapor cloud <laughs> that's left over from just all those water droplets leaving his body he gets hit so hard i i yes i am was something else he i don't know if he's gonna make it to the hall of fame but he deserves it i I think he i mean i i guess we're biased as all hell yeah i mean (laughs) but it just seems like he did he was such an asset to them getting the victory yeah yeah i i almost feel yeah, it's just Cam Cam's duration. I think is what will hold him back from getting in getting into the mm-hmm. hall. Um, is he not on the? He's not on the Ring of Honor yet. He would definitely be on the. So the thing with Cam is he didn't officially retire till I want to say like 2019, so he could get the rest of his contract. It was a cool thing the Seahawks did where they didn't release him and he kind of just hung out. But his last game was 2017 against the fucking Cardinals in that horrible game. But uh, anyways, um, so he's not eligible for any of those things, I don't oh. think, until 2024. Oh, like, like Ring, Ring of Honor stuff? stuff. Yeah, and even with the Ring of Honor, like, Matt Hasselbeck just got put there oh, okay. last year, I think, or the year before, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he will eventually. Oh, for without a doubt. Yeah. And they got to redo the stadium for that because they've, like, ran out of room for their Ring of Honor names. Yeah. It's a whole other conversation. Yeah, they didn't really think that one through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess uh, moving on to around the league, Ryan, uh, we finally got some recognition from uh, all the way up here in the southeast Alaska. Uh, we got the Seahawks coming in at number two as far as the top five receiving cores by Mike Clay, ESPN writer. What do you wow. think about this list? Uh, we got number one, the Bengals, number two, the Seahawks, number three, the Dolphins, four Eagles, five Cowboys. See, honestly, I wouldn't blame anybody for putting the Dolphins above us. Yeah, a lot of people, that was what a lot of the feedback was from from the fans uh, commenting on it. And I guess I sort of agree, but I would I would say, big, I, pi- big picture-wise, the Seahawks, I think, have the more formidable du- or trio because... You have JSN, the young weapon, DK, who just got re-signed, and then Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, who never gets career. hit, because he, yeah. he takes he probably learned his lesson from the Patel tendon and now dives down anytime anyone's about to make a well, big hit on well, Tyler Lockett. And also, yeah, um, he is yeah, Tyler Lockett is. I think he's doing the right thing. Like, yeah, no, no qualms it, with him. If it keeps him playing into his mid to late thirties, yeah. then I have no issue. If, like yeah. the the guy is not big. What do you want him to do? Like try to truck a free yeah. safety? That's no. how he gets. <laughs> that's how. Wow. Yeah. yeah were you saying about him breaking his leg that one time? Yeah, oh, that was that was sad to watch. I thought that was like the end of like, but he bounced back. He took he turned into a totally different receiver after that. It's yeah, kind of it crazy because he was all about speed before that injury, and now he's just one of the best route runners in the league. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, I was looking at some advanced advanced stats last year, and uh, I forget 
I think it was like something like EPA for Target or something like that. But basically, uh, it was like plotting how effective receivers are against man and zone coverage. And uh, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Tyler Lockett were like all like right there with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Tyreek Hill was kind of like far and away the best, but Tyler Lockett was like right behind him. Yeah. So – the comparison isn't as crazy as it sounds. Tyler Lockett is one of the best receivers in the NFL, has been since 2018. And I think when it's all said and done, like he's going to be a top three Seattle Seahawks wide receiver in, in, in our franchise's history. So I think with, that, with all that said, it's totally reasonable to put us top three in the NFL for receiving corps. I don't know if you – so we're strictly talking wide receivers here, not including tight ends. Um, actually, that is a good question. I can actually just fact check that right now because I know I just okay. I looked at the post well, it, today. Even so, either way, like we we have a really good group of tight ends too. Like we don't have a Travis Kelsey or a George Kill or anything like that. But collectively, the trio of tight ends we have and Disley Fant and it's wide receiver groups. Okay, but even still, like I I would put our tight end group up with a lot of other tight end rooms in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree. And especially, I feel like Colby Parkinson has really, really kind of shown us that he has hands. Not, yeah. And he's not just a big body to throw out in the blocking side of things. Well, yeah, and like, um, I, I think it took about two years for him to really like bulk up to NFL tight end like strength level. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you go back to his rookie year, he was, I mean, he was a huge man still, but he was like kind of kind of scrawny compared to how he is now. So I I think that's been a factor in why he was a lot more utilized last year. Yeah, um, that's essentially all I had uh, for the Seahawks this week. Um, If you want uh, anything else to add, otherwise we can... I think I've blathered on about uh, enough (laughs) about them. Um, So moving on to the the M's, they won earlier today. They beat the Royals, uh, which was actually a really stressful game, and... Julio went five for five and had a wow. go-ahead three-run home run in the top of the eighth. Colby, I don't know if you want to yeah. pull that bad boy up, but it was a pretty awesome moment just because the Royals have won like 30-something games this year, but like they're terrible. Yeah. But they're, for some reason, just clawing and scratching. Every game this series was like 10-8, to 10-9, to something. like It was high-scoring, so... Mm. And Stressful. They were, yeah, they were down two to four. Yeah. Right before, and then I have it right here, so let's go. And now he has the go-ahead run at the plate. He swings away! Julio with an absolute nuke out to left field! He has given the Mariners yeah, he, he an crushed it. It was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Has he been kind of turning it on lately? Yeah, the past, like, three weeks he's been just going off. Uh, I think... Was it the game against the Orioles we ended up losing, I believe, but he uh, tied the game up in the ninth inning, I believe, with a home run or a base hit or something like that. Brock um, and Salt talk about that game. Is he, I think uh, Salt said it was the best loss of the season, which yes, that isn't is, like, you know, it's still a loss. That's such a radio, like, buzzword segment, I, I feel know. like. <laughs> is that the best loss of the season? Um <laughs> Yeah, no, but I do kind of agree with him in the sense. (laughs) (laughs) I do kind of agree with him in the sense, like, um, they, even though the Mariners have been losing, like, uh, I was telling Colby 
after the eight after the eight game win streak, they lost three in a row, and they were all games we should have won, but they were against tough teams like the Orioles, who have the best record in the American League. So, That's so it's weird. I know, right? It's it's like <laughs> it's kind of cool yeah. though. I'm glad that the Yankees are not relevant for once when we are good. Yeah, like they're Fuck always them. good when we're good, and it's super annoying. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome seeing Julio and and the boys coming alive to uh, to end the season. We're only three back behind the Astros, and if the Astros can start dropping games and the Blue Jays can start winning and we can keep winning, then the Astros might not even make the playoffs, which be would awesome. be like almost as good as us making the playoffs. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, very very excited to. To see what's in store the next month um just given the fact that i mean if we win those three games that we lost i know that's kind of a silly statement given that i mean we lost three in a row so yeah we needed to win all three of those but we could have and we'd be staring at a 15 game or no we'd be staring at a 14 team game win streak right now if we had won those three games that we were in the thick of winning we just lost in the ninth or the or the tenth in one of them. So this, the last couple seasons with the Mariners, it's just been like you get to like this point in the season, and then you're like, oh yeah, we're three games away from winning the division. Like, I swear. They always turn it on at the end of at the end of July or the middle of August. They it, it, just really it does feel start like to. We've kind of been living in that territory for a while now. It's just you know we were getting closer and closer than we finally did it last year. And this year, I mean, I feel like we're right there with where we were record-wise last season. There was, like, more hype this year. It was like, okay, we're going to be good. And then we weren't in the beginning, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of times with baseball, especially, because baseball is so interesting in the sense that you can have so many players not perform well as opposed to the previous season. And when you have ex- expectations on a, on a season, it's – I almost feel like it's harder – for a team to perform well when there's expectations, whereas last year, no one really expected us besides Mariner fans to be good last year because we were kind of overlooked, and so there wasn't as much of this this pressure there's on no the target team. on your back. Yeah, yeah, and so when you're not performing well and you can't go on these win streaks or anything like that, it like I'm sure a lot of the players feel like fuck, I need to like get it into gear or I'm gonna like be traded or you know that's kind of just the way it goes in baseball you like if you the Mets they had three they had Justin Verlander Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom all three of the best pitchers in baseball and now they're all gone and they were all on the team at the start of the year so it just goes to show when you don't perform and when you're supposed to you'll they'll clean house by the trade deadline and start over I feel like so, the, the Seahawks and the Mariners were very similar in that sense because last year the Seahawks were expected to do terrible. Yeah, I mean, what happened? Yeah, I, I literally saw them at the bottom of some power rankings yeah. going into the season. We were thirty-second. I, I always by, uh, thought that who, that was dumb. Who was it that ranked us thirty-second? It was like uh, it was like some, some some East. Coast. It was, I think it was All like DraftKings or something stupid like that ranked yeah. us like 32. Well, I remember Adam Sh- uh, Shine, I think is, his name is, or sh- whatever. The poor man's Adam Schefter. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to say Adam Schefter. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
But uh, anyways, he, he did this segment about how the Seattle Seahawks quarterback competition is the most pathetic quarterback competition he's ever seen. It's where oh quarterbacks God. go to die or something I remember like that. that. And then Geno Smith has a fucking, like... Revelation of a season. I mean, you you go back and watch Gino's performance against the Saints, and we didn't win the game, but Gino put up some of the most spectacular throws I've ever seen in you know like 17 years of watching football in that game. Like, and that's with watching Russell Wilson every week. That and that's what makes it so crazy is Wilson consistently put up at least one or two throws a game that you were just like, how could anyone make a throw that good? And Gino had some throws in that game that were. Just as impressive. I mean, that throw to Lockett for a touchdown, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like a play action and quadruple coverage, and Gino just like, boop, rip between all of them. Like, that's one of the best throws I've ever seen. I So I guess what I'm trying to say with Gino is like, in, in comparison to the Mariners, they had all these expectations at the beginning of the year, and they didn't really meet those until up until recently. And I, I'm kind of like... I feel like Gino is going to be the same story. Like Gino now has expectations. Gino Gino is expected to, we have to assume Gino is going to meet X, Y, and Z. And then, and then some to to get us over the hump. So I just hope that Gino can just do everything that we assume he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And then more. Well, I think to that note, I mean, he's got an improved O line. I mean, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross are only going to get better. We lost. Um, Didn't we draft some promising um, O-line people? In the later rounds, I don't anticipate. Oh, yeah, Anthony Bradford and uh, Olu Olu Latina. We got a center. Olu Olu. We? Yeah. Yeah. Olu Latina. From That's Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. Olu Olu Latina. It's a tough name. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I, I don't think either of them are going to start this year, especially not Bradford. Um, I think he's got potential, but he was – very bad in pass protection last Thursday. Um, like, extremely. <laughs> so, he's not ready, but he might get there. Well, and his first name is Olu, and the beginning of his last name is also Olu. Yeah, his so, full first name is, like, 20 letters long. I I, okay. I, I couldn't pronounce it right if you yeah. paid me for it. Olu, Olu, what? Oh, man, so bad with pronouncing. You guys know. I'm not to be that. fair, I'm pretty sure even, like, the professional ESPN radio guys can't even pronounce the name correctly. Yeah, and they like. <laughs> we'll get good at it though. We'll because I, I remember. Uh, you say Olu. Uh, oh, or Olu Olu is fine with me. Olu, we, Olu. We, we, yeah, we know who you're talking about. Well, yeah. What did you think the first time you saw an Adamican Sue? Like I didn't. I don't know. I was like, I did was like, someone just go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a few years go by, and you can say it like that. So I'm sure we're that all. Is we, we will all get there. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the whole line's gonna be better. And now Gino has a legit wide receiver three, like potentially a guy that's gonna come in and be a top three slot receiver from day one. Okay, so, yeah. I am talking about Njigba. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I see no reason why Gino would regress other than just he forgets, wakes up and forgets how to play quarterback, which I don't anticipate happening. I, I agree. I see no reason for it. Um, I just would worry about, you know, consistency is all. Um, it's just the other parts of the team of, like, why would you be losing? I mean, I don't know. Because I feel like, yeah, Gino's going to do his job. Yeah, yeah, and this and we don't really even need him to. I, he was fine last year. We don't need him to be better than that. It'd be great if he was, but yeah. I think I mean you can win a Super Bowl with the type of play we were getting out of him last year. He wasn't holding us back. Yeah, yeah, yeah with uh, uh, Garoppolo, uh, the 49ers with 
Well, they lost to the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, with Jimmy. With with Jimmy. And Jimmy, a lot less than I think Gino, right? Oh, yeah. Jimmy has never played a season like the one Gino just had. Not even close. Gino, or Jimmy also ran out of the back of the end zone last year. So, I mean, that's, need I say more? No. Um, that's, uh, honestly all I had for this episode, Ryan. Um, if you have anything more to add, that pretty much concludes it, wraps it up for me. No, I'm just, I guess I'd say I'm just starting to get really hyped for the season. Um, we're getting closer and closer. We're less than four weeks away now, so I am, I am super excited and, uh, we'll have a show for you next week after the Cowboys game. I want to do a, uh... Two early predictions before the season starts on MVP, Rookie of the Year. Let's do that. All of those big awards. So, who knows? We might see see a 39-year-old quarterback win an MVP this year. I don't really know. Maybe we will. He's going to break his collarbone. He's going to see Zach Wilson (laughs) by week four. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for me. Yeah. That's that's all we got for you this week. Yep. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one.